You're listening to the Collab Talk podcast, episode 42 of the MVP Buzz Chat series. In this episode, I'm talking with Office Apps and Services MVP, Heather Severino. Hey, this is Christian Buckley, and uh, we're doing another MVP Buzz Chat, and I'm here with Heather. And Heather, why don't you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Heather Severino. I am a two-year MVP for the Office Apps and Services. Focuses are OneDrive, OneNote, and Teams, and I'm based in Daytona Beach, Florida. Now, I was, I was going to say that, uh, you know, for, for OneNote, I know this is kind of a, you know, for those of us that are on the, uh, the, you know, the Office Apps and Services side of things, I certainly think things of this, and I know a number of other people do, but the OneNote MVPs, MVPs are kind of rock stars because that's an awesome app. And so coming from that background and working with that a lot, like I'm just a huge, I've blogged about it. Some of my most popular blog posts uh, of the last 15 years of blogging have been around my, when I talk about OneNote and productivity specifically. Uh, yeah. I don't know, do you, so do you feel like that, like the rock star because of the OneNote focus? No, I try to be humble about it. <laughs> I'm just, I feel like I'm just, I'm passionate about loving what that application can do for you, the tools that it has. I do think it's an interesting mixture of MVPs because we have so many that work in the education space related to OneNote being used in the classroom and now how that kind of ties into teams for the classroom. And then we have more of the professional or trainers like myself that are working with OneNote to help in the modern workplace to help everybody not take duplicate notes, maybe get away from that analog digital pen and paper and, and, and be working in it in a different way. Now I have to say that I, so I, uh, you know, obviously the, the, as you know, like uh, uh, real time transcription services are far from perfect. Um, and, uh, but it's, there's a couple things that I had started using with OneNote where, uh, you know, like I look, I never took, uh, touch type in high school, uh, you know, so my, like, I, I'm amazed that my kids can sit there, have a conversation and sit there and you hear this rattling noise and they have this, you know, uh, this thing typed out. I, I type with uh, these fingers. I, I can do, do pretty well, but um, I have to kind of focus. But so starting to, as I'm sitting in a meeting, a conversation, things that are going very quickly, things that I love about OneNote are like, you know, doing the pen interface, my mm -hmm. daughter who's in grad school. And so she's a huge, she has a surface that she bought and, and uses her pen and takes the notes and has it then automatically you know, convert into text. But I then started to capture audio conversations, try to do the transcription. And I mm -hmm. find that I spend about as much time going back and correcting the interesting transcription from mm -hmm. that. And it's probably, Partially just because of the speed at which I talk and and uh, my Bay Bay Area, as I was told in college, my Bay Area accent, um, where it's like the Bay Area people don't have an accent. Like of course we do. We slur certain words together. We talk very rapidly. Blah blah. blah. But uh, but anyway. So. So are you are you mentioning the dictate feature as far as like dictating your notes in the mobile app or? Uh, so I'm, I've actually not used in the mobile app uh, in that scenario, but uh, just with the, you know, if I'm sitting in, it's usually with my laptop or my Surface, yeah. um, you know, sitting there and having the audio. I, so again, I've tried doing the transcription and it was faster. So I actually, while I don't type as fast, I, I, I type with fewer errors than a lot of people. And so it's faster for me to do that than the audio with the transcription and then to clean up. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, I've been trying it out myself too. And I think where I run into a little bit of a hiccup is when I'm trying to end a sentence and then maybe start something new or if it's more of a bullet list. So I think it works really well if it's just natural talking paragraphs of information. Um, I've tried it out and I think it's the Windows 10 app that I've been using it in more right. than, than anything yes. else. Good. Yeah. And, and, and more and more of that is the same here. And, and, you know, and it is one of those things where I think is the AIs, the machine learning, it improves, mm -hmm. it understands your... Uh, you know, the corrections that you make and learns from that. I don't know how much they're investing in that, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure that it'll improve that area. But uh, yeah. well, anyway, why don't you first, let, let's kind of go backtrack a bit. So expand on you a little bit, like, uh, you know, what you're working on, the things, the things that are out there. So the MVP status, but what is the, like you know, the company and what you do for a living and the types of work that you do? Sure. So I started in technology about almost 24 years ago while I was in college and be started out as a help desk person, actually started a help desk for the local government I worked for and became a desktop specialist and then became a technical trainer. And from there, I moved on from government to working for NASCAR for about 10 years, doing the same thing, managing their help desk, formed a technical trainer. How do you make the time for the rest of the world when you're not racing uh, cars? <laughs> That's a good point. I don't know what you do. <laughs> my greatest moment was when we got out on the track and I beat all the guys in my IT department. So I thought that was wonderful. That is awesome. <laughs> you know, I, I am one of those people, while I'm not too much of a car guy, but I, I was a, before I was married, I was a runner for a law firm for, I did long distance runs for all the courthouses in Northern California. And so spent a lot of time behind the wheel and I love road trips. I love driving like that experience. Uh, and so I, I do think of myself like, I could do that kind of things, but yeah. I always, but what, even when you do like the little indoor racing, you know, indie little, little tiny cars and stuff, it's pretty strenuous. It <laughs> is. Well, but, the most stressful point for me was getting out there and not have driven a manual shift car in over 10 years and afraid I'm going to stall this race car on pit road in front of everyone I work with. But I nah, nah, it's, it's like a bike. It, you, you know, you don't forget it. You, you warm up like that. You know, one lap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, that's pretty that you know that that's a bucket list item for me so you know yeah for being able to do that that's very cool yeah yeah it was awesome it, it was a great time working there and so then about about after about 10 years there I started my own business teach you tech which I've had for about four and a half years now and my primary focus with that is helping organizations adopt new technologies and helping end users learn how to work with those technologies in an individual productive way as well as a group way, which is awesome to be able to work with teams now and, and really show them how that can tie in all of these services and tools into one place that they can work in. So uh, you, with the work that you're doing, I mean, do you see any obvious patterns or gaps in adoption and engagement? Because I mean, hey, it's a popular topic. It's uh, as we, we know, working with enterprises, uh, uh, you can have the most wonderful, perfectly uh, uh, deployed and fine-tuned for the mm -hmm. requirements solution if end users aren't on there using it doesn't matter mm -hmm. how well you did in setting up uh the, the systems so i mean yeah. what are some of the, the the i don't know the the themes that you see around adoption and engagement the themes with adoption and engagement right now it seems like there's so many tools that have similar usage or similar types of functionality are right? you talking about the which tool to use when problem exactly should it is it office 365 groups is it sharepoint site is it Yammer Teams? You know, we could go on and on. And then when it comes to working with task management and note taking, is it OneNote? Is it To Do? Is it Planner? Is it Outlook Tasks? 
you know, and how are these things integrating and what's missing? And um, so really kind of establishing what are those stop gaps for them initially and, and figuring out, okay, based upon that and based upon how you work, which tools would you embrace and then getting them in there and working with those tools. The other big part I think is um, if they're not in those tools, like let's say Teams, for example, if they don't have that logged in, having the notifications set up appropriately so that they still are alerted if there's something that's directed to them or something that's important to them, right? So I think those are the two big things is which tool to use when and knowing how to configure the settings, the notifications, so that if they're not in there all the time, they can still be kept up to speed. Yeah, I just was thinking too, just slightly sideways, sideways but with the the whole the, like the, the the my analytics, you know, being able to go and look at your own kind of personal productivity mm -hmm. and you know what I'm spending this much time in email versus these other uh, workloads, and not being able to see that roll up and uh, uh, you know across your organization necessarily, and being able to look at uh, you know like as a manager, as a business owner, going and looking at you know remove names, anonymize the data, but look at where people are. That's actually really important to have that kind of insight as far as like adoption and productivity to know, right. you know, to know that, Hey, we're having a problem. If more people were in using SharePoint in this way or using teams for this and, right. and our people aren't and being able to see that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's just an idea of like more data is good. You know. <laughs> I think it's a great idea and we do have that capability already in some of the applications if you take for example teams in the admin center you can see which teams are being used more frequently right and and another thing that i like in power bi the power bi online the reports for that you can pull a usage report and see like you know which reports are they using where are they coming at this from is it the mobile view or is it the web view and i think those analytics do help you kind of decide where you should spend more of your time focusing on Right. But one, I mean, I guess my point there is that you, you, one, you have to aggregate that, go pull it from the various mm -hmm. you know, admin experiences and together. I mean, do you see in your work with organizations and adoption that they're going to those lengths or are they using what's out of the box and then never really kind of looking across those workloads at that information? I am I'm seeing that they're just going with the out of the box for now. Um, when I do help um, end users understand my analytics and how they can set that up and we take a look at that in the classroom environment some of them don't want to know that information <laughs> they i think that it's they'd rather be in denial than know how much time they're spending in meetings well, but the other side but yeah that, but you know this that but that's i think part of the uh, the, the issue is to, is to i think you got to i would say yeah, i'm not going to speak for you but yeah you know, they right. to communicate that like Showing that you're in meetings 50% of the time isn't necessarily bad because that might be the right volume for the job, the role that you have. And so exactly. you, you can't compare everything together as being equal. Um, for frontline workers, that might be a really bad thing where they need to be actually in the applications doing the work rather than sitting in meetings. Um, yeah. I, I, I think it's a definite. I think it's a definite culture shift, and getting them to understand to look at it maybe with a different lens. And I usually have an example that I give. You know, I, I used to work with a company that um, had a sister company, and all it felt like we did with projects was sit in meeting after meeting after meeting, and looking at how many hours we're spending in these meetings and how productive are we being on getting the tasks done. Wait, say, wait you you worked, you worked for Microsoft as well in the past. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like, that's about all I remember from my experience there was sitting in meetings. But anyway, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think if you can get them to relate to that and understand, looking at those hours, that's a good thing. If you can set a goal to reduce the number of hours you're in meetings and spend that on something that's going to be, you know, keep re, you know, give you more revenue, why not? Why wouldn't you? Something that I said, I don't know what, what set it off, but uh, um, I have to whisper her name, but Cortana just uh, instructed me something to do on my advice over there based on me talking about meetings, <laughs> was giving me suggestions on productivity. I, I didn't hear what she said over there, but <laughs> uh, it, I want to say that she who must not be named, otherwise she'll talk loudly, yeah. you know. Yeah. And there was some suggestions based around It's funny you say that. I was I was recording a course a couple weeks ago, late at night, and all of a sudden my Apple Watch, the same thing. Siri started talking to me in the middle of recording a course. I don't know what I said to set her off, uh, but that had to be a retake once that was done. And thankfully that did not trigger um, my device or anything. So <laughs> again, the other she who must not be named. Yes, there's three of, there's three three of them in our house, you know. <laughs> Well, that's, that's cool. So, uh, so going back to like adoption engagement, I mean, any other themes that you're seeing around that? Because it's a, look, it's an important topic. Uh, it is. It's, it's a, my, my background, the first third of my career spent in technical project management role, started as business analyst, moved into project management. And the last, uh, you know, 18 years that I've been in more product management and marketing side of things, um, I mean, it's still been a reality. It's whether deploying technology or building it and marketing it, uh, you do think about um, why are people not adopting? You know, what, what can we do to get people so it's the change we're trying to make is sustainable? Yes. So a few come to mind. One is teams when, it, when it's a, a developer environment. So if the company has a group of developers, they might already be working in Slack. So getting them to make that switch from Slack to Teams and helping them understand if you already have Office 365, you can do so much from Teams that you can't currently do in Slack. You can work with your Outlook calendar items. You can get to your personal documents in OneDrive. You can still work together as a group and kind of customize it and work with the chat bots and everything else that maybe you have currently in Slack. So that's one challenge that I've found recently with a few companies. The other one is how many teams, what do we set teams up for? And how many channels and tab apps do we put in there? Because we don't want it to be overwhelming and be too many. We want it to have, be easy to navigate. So that's been a common challenge because one, one CEO I was talking with, he said, I just had a team for everything, you know, I just, for all the projects we were working on. He's like, and it's too much for me. Or I had a team for each project and it was too much for me. How do I consolidate that down? So that seems to be the other challenge. And the third is how does all of this connect together, helping them understand what's going on in SharePoint? So where are their documents truly hosted, helping them understand how there's that connected integrations with all the service and apps that happen. Um, final one I would say is related to Microsoft Teams as well. These are the biggest issues that I've been seeing lately. How do we control them setting up teams? Do we want it to be the wild, wild west where they can create their own named teams or are we gonna have duplicate teams with similar names and some more active than others that we then have to manage? Or do we come up with some sort of an automated process that they can submit to create a team and once it's approved, then it's generated for them? Are you hearing the same things, Christian? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's funny that, that it's, and it's all a lot of the same conversations we had a decade ago around SharePoint as we were seeing the, rapid uh, growth of that and 
you mm-hmm. know, and so look, a lot of uh, you know IT and you know, just tech in general is is cyclical. We see the same issues. We see new generation of workers coming in that don't know the history and repeat the same mistakes around this. We go through this again, and it's. Uh, it, it, but I, yeah, yeah, similar thing. It's, um, look, I mean, personally, I think that um, not understanding that how important information architecture is to teams and all of the workloads, especially now more and more that we're working cross workload. We always have, we, right. we've always worked, we've had Outlook Exchange, we've had the email stuff, there's you know, SharePoint for the document collaboration, our intranets, there's, um, now we have Teams for that, uh, I like that kind of the phrase that high velocity, but is the, you know, project based time based specific where the chat in the video like that, that can high touch mm-hmm. scenarios needed. You have Yammer that is the more of the you know, outer loop conversation style. Um, you know, OneDrive I use extensively every day I use OneDrive. Mm-hmm. And so now I have and then and then there's all the tools and applications that plug in and work across those those things. And so not having an understanding, and I think it touches on a lot of what you hit there too, is that the information architecture to know about the naming conventions and how they apply that effects to, to understand that what well, you've just now recreated by creating the teams you know, here and it created groups that sit between, here's what's right. plugged in, here's what's not, you're moving across and you're striping your data all over the place, which is, it confounds search, it confounds the discoverability of content, it impacts who has visibility because they might be part of, have access to it in some places, but not others. I mean, all of those kinds of issues. And I think organizations, it does come down to what you, what you said. It's almost like you're recommending and you hate to say this, but lockdown provisioning before right. the process of creating that. But it's almost like be slow on that process, thoughtful about it. Then once those are in place, like go out at people. Like right. in that it's established, the structure is correct. So all the data is in the right places, but then go to it and we'll get out of your way. Yeah. I think that's what's needed. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that if you can kind of at least have a naming convention and and hold the permission there of setting that up for them, but let them go set their channels up any way they want. Let them set up the the tabs, the apps within the channels any way that they want. Keep it more of an agile. Kanban kind of a way that if that's how they need to work, that, that they can do that. Because yeah, the other side of it too that is uh, addressed uh, less often, but I think is the reality that we're seeing more and more now as, as uh, like more mature SharePoint organizations are moving over and adopting teams. They're saying, well, now that we have the, uh, uh, you know, the, the ability to go in and link what our new team to the old, the SharePoint, you know, assets and sites, and uh, uh, you know, kind of bridge those gaps. So it's not just every time you're spinning up a new team, it's creating a new group, it's creating new SharePoint, it's all you know everything else that you're actually be able to go and shift and move things around. I think that is also forcing organizations to be more thoughtful about that process, mm-hmm. kind of forcing Microsoft to go and look at it versus the Wild West approach, which it largely has been the last couple of years. <laughs> it has. It's interesting. I was speaking with someone, this is about five or six months ago. And at that point, Teams had been out about a year and a half. And he was attending an online session with me. And he said, yeah, we, when we found out about Teams, we went out there to see what it was all about. And we discovered there were already 2,000 teams created within our organization. And he was from IT. And he said, so then we had to kind of figure out what do we do with all these teams? So you definitely don't want to be in that scenario. You want to 
Yeah, it's uh, if you think you're not in that scenario, then it's because you've not looked closely enough because Mm -hmm. everyone's in that scenario. Exactly. Like somebody was saying, it's like, well, what about uh, was arguing the point of like the uh, shadow IT concept? This is, but if you're an organization that's all Office 365, you really don't have the shadow IT thing. I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, sure. (laughs) So there's if you're using Office 365, then no one has Dropbox or Box or Google Drives or iCloud. Nobody right. has apps that aren't authorized, loaded on their phones or their systems that could have an impact on your system. Like, that's a, I don't know what the color of the clouds are in that person's world that thinks that, <laughs> but it sounds like a happy place. So. <laughs> it does. Well, Heather, so, I mean, anything else that you have going on now, anything that, that, that do you have, like, your content out there, videos, um, well, yeah. let's, we'll say also, like, how can people get in touch with you, but, you know, any resources that you can point people to, or even favorite resources that you just highly recommend people take a look at? <laughs> well, I do author um, content for Microsoft Office courses for many different online providers, including Clip Training, Pluralsight. Uh, you'll also find a lot of courses on lynda.com and LinkedIn Learning. I have one that just released a couple days ago, which is uh, OneNote for Windows 10. So if you need to learn how to work with that, I highly recommend that Essentials course. But several topics, including OneDrive, SharePoint, OneNote, PowerPoint. Um, some new courses will be coming out in the next few months on Dynamics 365. Planner and Power BI online. So look for those. Um, you can find me usually at a lot of conferences. Some of the conferences I know, Christian, you and I have attended the SharePoint North America conference and Microsoft Ignite. So I usually try to be there to speak, help out in the various booths. You can look for me online on Twitter. You can find me at Heather Severino. You can also find me on LinkedIn as well. Excellent. And, and Heather, I know that there's a, there's a lot. I was actually, you know, I think there's a whole other conversation we could have about um, the, the differences between the two OneNote versions. Um, I'll just say that if you don't know what we're talking about, you know, the Windows 10 version of that, it's the one that has the richer purple than the other application. <laughs> um, it, it's a, I, I think it's, you know, we maybe need to, to go and, and, and get a couple folks together just to sit and talk about OneNote because I think there's a lot. Good. We should. I think there's a lot we could talk about as far as all the other apps now, too, that are kind of connecting into that that have to do with task management and note taking within Office 365 and Windows 10. There's a lot you can do with that now. Yeah, it's it's rough if you those Microsoft uh, the product team that has to work on such an awesome product that has such great you know, huge <laughs> fanboys out there and stuff. Yeah, it's uh, no, but it's. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I, look, it, it's a it's a part of my daily life. So it's just one night. So I'm definitely a huge fan. So, Me too. well, Heather, well, thanks a lot for your time, and uh, we'll let you get back to your day. But you know, thanks a lot for uh, for talking. Thanks, Christian. Bye, everybody. <laughs>